Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for attending. And now, without further ado, to answer your questions, we welcome Commissioner Carl Benson. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for attending today's press conference. Uh, at a time when there are so many uncertainties facing intercollegiate athletics, I thought that this would be a good opportunity to address some of those issues. Uh, who's got the first question? I got a question. Uh, Trent Krim from the Independent. <laughs> really? Trent Krim from the Independent? Are you kidding me? What's your question? Well, well what makes you qualified to be a commissioner? And alive. That's the best that you can have at a time when, when we've got all these issues facing us, and that's the best question you have? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. And really... Who let this guy in? We've reached the end of the season with the final gun, the championship game of the college football playoff, going off on Monday night. But the debate surrounding expanding the playoffs is just kicking off. The decision makers, those conference commissioners, are meeting this weekend too, trying to decide what form expansion might take and if there will be any expansion at all. There are a lot more questions and answers at this point, and everyone is looking for clues. Fortunately, we've got our own commissioner and one of the best reporters in the business on this week's episode of Knutson and the Commish. ESPN's Heather Dinich joins the show to give us the very latest on playoff expansion and the immediate future of college football. So don't go anywhere. The ball is on the tee, and we're back right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Coming to the end of the college football playoff for another year, Carl, and, um, and we like to say it's a lot of di- different cast of characters, and it were, was this time with Michigan and Cincinnati being involved, but it comes back down to the SEC again, Alabama and Georgia. A lot of people... Mon- blah about the whole thing. I think a lot of us are just more of the same, more of the same. And um, at some point, maybe this process improves. Maybe we don't have so much sameness in it, but I don't think it's good for football to have the same teams in it all the time. Do you? Well, I think that, you know, that variety does, you know, does spice things up. And, uh, you know, the semifinals were, were promoted as, you know, as, as a little bit of newness with, right. with Michigan and Cincinnati being in there. And, then unfortunately the games, you know, the games were duds. Um, you know, I know we're going to talk, talk a little bit later on here with, with Hena, uh, Heather Dinich about the, the format and the structure and, and, you know, what are the chances of, of, you know, having a, a new postseason structure. And, and, you know, when you think about, you know, what was proposed last fall and just, and I'm sure I'm not the only person who's done this, but if this had been a 12 team playoff this year, if this had been a 12 team playoff, the first round games would have been Notre Dame and Pitt, hmm. Ohio state and Utah, hmm. Baylor and Michigan state, old miss and Oklahoma state. And if you assume that Notre Dame beats Pitt, Ohio State beats Utah, Michigan State beats Baylor, Old Miss beats Oklahoma State, the semifinals would be Alabama versus Oklahoma State, Georgia versus Michigan State, Michigan versus Ohio State, and Cincinnati versus Notre Dame. And again, if Alabama beats Notre Dame and Georgia beats Ohio State, 
we've got Alabama and Georgia still. But well, in he, the meantime, but in the meantime, I think that we would have had a lot of of really interesting matchups, and and I think that that the postseason would have been, you know, a little bit larger and obviously a lot more inclusive and, uh, than than the than the four teams with a lot fewer opt outs as well, right? A lot more guys are going to stick it out and play for their teams and not, you know. I'm I'm beating my head against the wall and I keep saying this, but it bothers me to no end that the name on the back of the jersey is now meaning more than the name on the front of the jersey, which flies in the face of everything I grew up believing in and working towards and all that. I, I just this whole individualism of college sports is, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Here's yeah. something else to throw into this mix, though. The regular season. Um, we don't know what the SEC regular season is going to look like now with a 16 team league, whenever that opens up. But think about this. Georgia and Alabama don't play during the regular season like ever. Once, I think, last year for the first time in a decade. Nebraska and Ohio State have played more often than Alabama and Georgia have in, in the last 10 years, and they're not in the same division. Uh, it, this is, to me, if, if Alabama and Georgia had, had played this year in the regular season, we wouldn't have them in the championship game. One would have been eliminated. One of them would have gotten knocked off, and they wouldn't be playing each other again. And I think the SEC really needs to take a hard look at how they schedule because they're scheduling to set this up this way. When, when Alabama well, and Georgia never play each other in the regular season, they, they're both set up to, to go to the deep into the postseason, and it's not fair. It's not right. Well, and, and we, we knew that as conferences became 14-team leagues and now as the SEC you know, is on the verge of being a 16-team league, uh, we know that, that those – we talk about a regular season and how, how robust we need the regular season to be. Right. At the same time, we need to have a healthy and, and a grandiose postseason – Right. Um, you know, you can't get both. The, the NCAA basketball has a regular season, maybe one of the worst regular seasons in, yeah. in all sport, but it has the biggest, you know, grandest postseason. And college football is trying to maneuver to, you know, to, to have both the regular season and the, and the postseason. And, uh, you know, I don't know what, you know, what is going to be, you know, down the road as the SEC goes to 16 and, Big 10 is at 14 and ACC is at, at 14. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned the, the, the uniform and, and I've heard people talk about that this week. You know, it's been said before about what's more important, you know, front of your jersey, back of your jersey. The Army-Navy game this year, Army had the coolest yep. set of uniforms I've ever seen. They had their name on the front and the name on the, or the name of the university, the army on the, and they were kind of replicas of a, of a, of an army uniform that, that I think eliminated that front back, who are you playing for? And, yeah. and we know who the, yeah, you know, we, the, there's no the there's military no academies are, are playing for. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I'll just ask you this real quick before we welcome our guest in, you have experience running a 16 team league. You did the quadrant thing with the whack back in the day. Could you see the sec going to a quadrant thing like this so that we get, different teams playing each other all the time or are they going to just go eight team two eight team divisions what do you think you know they they've they've explored that and uh, i don't think they're going to you know give any royalties to you know to the whack for that 16 team league but or, or the the quad format but you know it it does it may help a little bit in in rotating the opponents right but you're still going to be hamstrung with with some of the rivalry games but mm -hmm. uh, hey mark you asked me the other day if i could get one of my former commissioner colleagues to come on today's show to talk about the CFP and it's, you did better than your, that. 
and its future format. And, <laughs> did a lot and I said I I said I didn't think any of them would be willing to really talk about it, but I said I would try and get someone who might not be in the room, but would be camped out yeah, outside might as well the, be room, in the room. Yep. Who has had conversation with several commissioners this week about the direction of the CFP format may be headed. Uh, and fortunately for us, I was able to get that person, ESPN senior writer, ESPN inside reporter, and one of the most respected college football journalists today, Heather Dinich, who I had the privilege and pleasure to work with during my days as a commissioner, who would always be outside those, those rooms, always with a smile on her face, waiting to talk to Jim Delaney or Mike Slive or Larry Scott or John Swafford or Bowlesby or Jack Swarbrick. <laughs> and she would get stuck talking to me as those power five guys would duck out the side door to avoid the media. Yeah. Heather, welcome Mike, to the show. My, Happy Mike, New Year. my question to Thank Heather you is so much for taking the time to join Mark and me today. My, well, my, my question to Heather is, did she have the pleasure of covering your, your stuff or you said you had the pleasure of working with her. I don't know if the verse is true. We'll find out. The thing about it, Mark, is that once those guys realized that I was going out and giving, you know, Heather inside information, they then started going out so that uh, <laughs> it wasn't attributed to Benson. It was attributed to them. So, I got gotcha. you. Uh, Heather, gotcha. Heather's, been, Heather's been there through a lot. Absolutely, and, uh, through a lot. And a, a great friend and a great colleague. So, Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I've been spending this week talking to all your buddies, but man, you you rattled off that list of names that are no longer in the mm -hmm. room, and mm -hmm. that is a big deal in these yeah. conversations. A lot of new faces. And these new faces, Heather, are a lot of them aren't very experienced. I mean, Kevin Warren's only been in a job for a couple of years. You know, George, I can't say George's last name of the Pac-12. <laughs> uh, these guys haven't, are new to this, and they're faced with some pretty big decisions about now. Are they up to the task? They are, and it's it's Klyovkov. I asked him about a thousand times when I first met him. Klyovkov, all right then. Klyovkov at okay. the end. Um, so you know they are, they are, but as you mentioned, tenure is that's a very real thing. And Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson now outranks all of them in seniority wow. in that room, which Ooh. is which is interesting. And yeah. I spoke with Craig. A little bit earlier today and he told me that he feels like a senator because he <laughs> feels that he's he's working for his constituents but he's also working for the greater good and part of the problem in speaking to Craig and Bob Bowlesby is there's a sense that there are some people in the room who are concerned more about their constituents which they have to be right mm -hmm. they're you know as he pointed out, we are paid by our schools yep. to make the decisions in the best in their best interest. But at the same time, at some point, in order to move forward with this, they're telling me we have to put aside that and make a decision that's in the greater good. And it's clear that fans want an expanded playoff. Can they get there this weekend? You know, Heather, I I, I agree totally in, in that role of a senator. Um, and, and just the diplomat type of, of role that commissioners have played over time. And, and with, with no disrespect for, you know, for George or for, uh, for Kevin or for Jim Phelps, for that matter, even though, I mean, Jim's been in the business for 20 plus years and well-respected. Um, you know, I sensed that, that in my time, and I saw some statesmen from Roy Kramer to Larry Scott and, and Jim was in the room the entire time. And, and there really was a, a I think, a, a more collegial 
um, desire. There was competition all the time, and, and everybody wanted to get one up on each other. But, you know, I, I think that Roy especially, uh, you know, when you think of being, he was the father of the BCS, and, and he always had a, you know, had a way to remind us that, you know, we need to do what's in the best interest of the sport of college football. And, and I just, I think we've lost some of that. Uh, question for you, and, and you've, you know, we've all been watching it and you've been covering it, you know, since back in June when, you know, those 10 commissioners and Jack Swarbrick left the meeting in Chicago unanimous that this 12-team format, uh, you know, was, was, the right, was the right number. It might needed some tweaking. You know, a couple of weeks later, they, they send it off to their, you know, their respective bosses, their, their presidents and chancellors, and it comes back endorsed. And, you know, we know what happened, you know, with Texas and, and Oklahoma. It was, if there hadn't been Texas or Oklahoma, would we be celebrating the fact that this 12-team playoff had already been adopted and signed, sealed, and delivered? Maybe. There's no question that realignment pause is the word Craig Thompson used with me, these discussions. Bill Hancock this morning told me that if COVID hadn't happened, he thought that this would have been done in 2020. So there are a lot of factors that derailed it, I think. But also we go back to the new commissioners and the new faces in the room. And there was some objections to the fact that there was a four-team subgroup that did this. Um, and, and there's some sentiment, well, why was something released that needs unanimous agreement before we all agreed upon it, right? So there are different questions coming from different angles at it. And so to be fair, when it was announced on June 10th, that was the first time that the other commissioners had a chance to look at it and digest it. So those four people who came up with the 12-team format knew that it was going to take some time to go back to campus and presidents and coaches, et cetera, and see how do, how do you feel about it, right? But it went off the rails even further, I think, because of expansion and Texas and Oklahoma and mistrust in the room. And Carl, I mean, I'm sure you've been paying attention to it. This isn't just this is bigger than college football playoff expansion. There has been a mistrust pervasive throughout college athletics, probably as a snowball of expansion right now that many athletic administrators are seeing. We've never seen it like this before. This is very real. Watch your back survival of the fittest type of environment right now. And so I think all of that ties into why it hasn't been done yet. You can see, it feels like you could be talking about politics with what you're talking about, the way, the way it's, it's breaking down like that. And, uh, you know, that's why everybody's going out to form alliances. I don't know that the, the, the three conference alliance is anything more than a logo at this moment. I mean, what have they done? What are they going to do? It's just, it, it looks good on paper, I guess. Uh, there really, really is no teeth to it that we've seen so far. Are these little clicks, I guess, for lack of a better term, going to submarine this whole process? Are we not going to get a playoff because of this? No, I don't think that it's because of any um, clicks is a great word within that room. I do believe the people who are tasked with making this decision are working together now the best they possibly can. I, I believe that the dust has settled from realignment and 
while some relationships have certainly been fractured and nobody's best buddies, um, you know, at, at this point, I, I think that there, the greater issue is what is it going to look like? There are still some support for an eight-team playoff in there. Greg Sankey has said, oh, I'll do eight teams if it's the eight best teams. Well, that's not going to fly. And again, if it's going to be done within the term of this contract through 2025, it has to be unanimous. And so more so than fractured relationships, it goes to, well, the Big Ten wants an automatic guarantee. We're going back to the conversation of automatic qualifiers, which Carl, as you know, when you went through this the first time before, that was purposely rejected ultimately from the commissioners so that you got the four best teams in the system that we have now. So that discussion of automatic qualifiers has been raised again. It's one of the things at the heart of the issue, but there, there's also the Rose Bowl contract, a desire, which I understand is one of the few things that is unanimous in the room to get multiple TV partners involved in this. So there are other issues beyond who's friends with who and, and, and who's going to meet at the bar after the meetings. <laughs> You know, when you look back, you know, again, the, the evolution of the playoff, you know, has been 20 plus years and, and there were little steps along the way. And I know that back in June, one of the fears was that the little steps, even though it had taken a long time to, to go from two to four, that to go from four to 12 might be a little bit too much to, you know, to, to bite off, so to speak. Is, is there common ground? Is there is there room for compromise here that uh, that would allow us to, you know, to have a, before you came on, we were talking about how the regular season needs to be protected, you know, and historically. And, and that was one of the fears of the playoff, that the playoff would damage the regular season. And, and now we're, we're looking at how can we, how can we have both? How can we have a robust regular season and a larger, more inclusive, more profitable you know, postseason at a time when, when the revenues are so, you know, so uh, important to every, you know, everybody in that room. So is there a compromise possible? The commissioners I've spoken to agree that compromise is possible. There is still optimism. And I think ultimately college football will wind up at a 12 team format. I, I believe that based on my interviews with the commissioners, the question is, when um, there is a sense that maybe it could be easier after this 12 year contract expires at the end of the 2025 season, because at that point, maybe, and I say maybe because I, I'm getting conflicting information as to whether or not it has to be unanimous in terms of expanding it. And I asked CFP executive director Bill Hancock directly that question this morning, and his answer was, for at least 30, going back as far as 30 years or so, it has always been that the conferences can decide whether or not they want to participate. Going back to the Bowl Coalition, whether it's unanimous or not. The reason it has to be unanimous now is because they all signed their names to this contract for 12 years, along with the New Year's Six Bowls and ESPN, etc. Right. So to unwind that contract, you have to have everybody agree mm -hmm. to it. Um, so I do think that they will ultimately get to common ground, uh, that being a 12-team playoff. But as Greg Sankey said to me yesterday, it's sort of a, a chicken or an egg thing. Like, you can't get to those nitty-gritty details that come with it 
without first getting to the format or do you have to talk about those nitty gritty other things um, in order to get to the format type conversations. So I'm just hoping that they're not talking in circles for 48 more hours. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in the area, era, we're not in the area anymore. We're, it seems to me where conference championships mean as much as they used to. Jim Delaney obviously was big on winning the Big Ten. That was the goal. A lot of teams winning their conference. I think winning your conference should have, have importance in getting into the playoff. Do you sense that there will be a reward for a conf- automatic qualifiers, whatever, for that? Or are they going to go top-ranked 12 teams in, in regardless of if they win their, champ- win their conference or not? Well, either way they slice it, it appears to be a reward for conference champions, because if it's the original proposal, it's the six highest ranked conference champion, which is great, I guess, if you depending on who you ask. But it's a guarantee for the group of five that was not there before to be in the playoff. Right. So that is this, quote, six plus six model, the six highest ranked champions plus the next six. So that does reward conference champions, right? And then the other way, if you if you give automatic qualifiers, the other side of that coin, the argument is, are you rewarding brand names and mediocrity because you won your league? Because if you look at a Wake Forest or a Pitt this year, or what if three lost Northwestern would have beat Wisconsin a couple of years ago, right? Are you rewarding those teams that might not be anywhere near the top 10, because they won their league, because it's a, quote, power five league. And I think that's where some of the resistance that, is coming from. That seems to work in the in basketball, however. Winning your league, obviously, is a postseason tournament. But winning your league, you can have a lot of losses. You can win your league, get hot at the right time, and you're in the dance. And no one complains about that. You can't. Well, again, Mark, you know, excuse me, Heather. You know, and all basketball and football are totally so different animals. And, and we, can't, we can't use the basketball model when trying to determine what's best for for the football model, um, back on your your uh, discussion on the on the unanimity of the contract, you know my name is on that contract as the commissioner of the Sun Belt. When I signed that, I was not expecting that that met a unanimous. You know, I mean, I've been mm. I've always I've been in this for thirty years, or I was in this for thirty years, three different conferences. Mid-American, WAC, and Sunbelt. And I always knew my place in the room. And and you know, give you know, give Mike Oresco credit. You know, I mean, he he took his shoe off and pounded it on the table time and time and time again. Uh, maybe I should have done that from time to time in my tenure, <laughs> but that sixth, you know, the highest ranked six champions, in my opinion, was to satisfy Mike's, you know, long-term you know, compelling that the American conference deserved, you know, that automatic spot. And, and now that the American has a much different membership, uh, I worry that, you know, as Mike, you know, bless his heart, he wants to continue to, to pound that shoe that the American is different than the, than the Mountain West or the Sun Belt or Conference USA or the Mid-American, but they're not. With the loss of Cincinnati and Houston and Central Florida, it is not the same American as it was back on on June 10th. So I would fear that 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 sixth automatic that was designated for the for the Group of Five may be uh, you know lost in the in the compromise you know going forward. Your thoughts? I think you're 100 percent right, and and I think that it's very probably impossible for Michael Resco to have these conversations without thinking of what his league is going to look like once 
that realignment officially takes place and he and he loses those teams. Um, but one of the reasons that they initially really liked that was because by saying, to your point, by saying the top six, mm-hmm. you eliminate that branding of P5, G5, mm-hmm. right? And, and right off the bat, I can tell you, every one of those commissioners hates that label. Craig Thompson right. just slid, slid that into the interview. He's like, oh, I hate that. I don't know where that came from. I hate that. Um, and, and I think that that branding is a very real thing to just say the six highest ranked conference champions period the end was very important to him and as well as the branding but yeah I mean but here's the other thing too how long did it take Cincinnati to become Cincinnati you know we we see teams and programs and you know how cyclical this sport is and we're talking I mean my goodness we were talking about Louisiana you know we were talking about coastal Carolina not in terms of the playoff but we're, we're talking about them as far as New Year's Six Bulls and, oh, my goodness, the job that Jamie Caldwell did and, and all of those other storylines. And I think that there are other teams in other leagues that can certainly compete for that sixth spot as we move forward, not just the American. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a time, Carl, where the Mountain West and the American were talking about some sort of alliance themselves, right, where they were going to play a, a postseason game or whatever, a play-in game of sorts. Um, do you foresee, Heather, any situations where the, the other leagues might say, well, we know we have to get better in order to be part of this process. We have to improve our product on the field so that we can earn, rightfully earn that number six spot or whatever it's going to be. This year would have been higher than that for Cincinnati. But um, do, you, do they see the urgency in improving their products to get to be to earn a place in this process? Well, they do, but I think where we are in the state of college athletics is asking the question as we move forward, are decisions that are being made furthering the divide between the haves and have-nots? I mean, there's only a certain amount that you can do with the budget that you have to work with, et cetera, right? right? And as we're seeing Penn State and Michigan State hand out 10-year contracts for $90 million, you know, and, and people hiring staffs for assistance for more than entire staffs make at other schools. It's just, that's really hard. So yes, I mean, sure. They want to do, do the best that they can in terms of being competitive for it. But I think there's also a reality to the situation. And by the way, COVID testing alone has crushed a lot of, a lot of budgets. I mean, speaking to even some of the wealthiest schools, athletic directors are just floored by the cost of the past two years now, really. You mentioned the competitive uh, or the competitiveness between the group of five. And I, you know, I was in the room when we decided that, you know, hey, we're going to be called the group of five uh, for whatever reasons. And, you know, I wish we could all take it back, but, you know, it, it, it served its purpose. But going going forward now, uh, the 85 scholarships, in my mind, has been what has allowed Louisiana or Coastal Carolina, or even to the, some extent, the Cincinnati's and the Boise States and the UCF, and you throw in Western Michigan and Northern Illinois, you know, those that have played in New Year's Day games. With the advent of, of NIL and, and how squad limits yeah. are going to be impacted going forward, I fear that, that those 85 scholarships are now going to be 95 or 100 or more and the fear that that the group of five had in terms of of increase in scholarships it's it's being done you know outside of the you know the ncaa legislative process 
and that that the competitive gap you know is in jeopardy that's really interesting because i'm also wondering if i was thinking in my head is the transfer portal going to help even out some of the competitiveness because i mean you've got guys who are jumping ship left and right because they can and, and with the, the transfer rules changing there's so many players who are, are sitting there and, and changing the roster management of coaches and my goodness they're they're talented players right so i'm, I'm just wondering if that does that help balance it out? Does it give them more opportunities? I mean, look at what Deion Sanders just did, right? Yeah, How does yeah. that snowball into the whole conversation of being able to recruit kids anywhere who are yeah. of the of the highest talent? Yeah, I, I, think talking, that's a, I think that's a good point in terms of yeah. the of the balancing that the, the the transfer portal may balance the the NIL impact. And um, and again, you mentioned Deion Sanders. You know when. When is, uh, and there have been FCS um, or there have been HBCUs who have left their respective conference to join, uh, I think Hampton just joined the Big South and left the, left the MEAC. Um, you know, when I was at the Sun Belt, Alabama State was, was ready to make the move from, you know, from, from FCS and, the, and the, the, the SWAC to the Sun Belt had they got an invitation. Uh, but what, you know, what Deion Sanders and, and the other high-profile HBCU coaches are saying today is, why not? Why can't, you know, Jackson State, you know, play in FBS and play for a national championship? Uh, you know, so, I mean, I think you know, if this next CFP is another 12-year contract, uh, you know, the, the landscape of college football during, you know, these next 12, you know, may look totally different. And, wouldn't that be something we've got Jackson State, uh, you know, one of the teams playing in the in the CFE championship? Oh, my goodness. That that would be wild. The other thing, too, is, is that the whole landscape, it's not just the realignment. I mean, look at the coaching changes. How will Lincoln Riley to USC and Brian Kelly to LSU and all the shifts that we've seen with those big time coaches this offseason factor into it as well. And how long will Alabama have Nick Saban? As, as he reminded everyone this week, he's 70 years old. And, you know, he said, I don't have dementia, but I can't remember the day that I was hired or 50, however long ago it was. So, you know, I think all of those things change. I mean, look at Florida State, look at Miami guys, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is, right? No, I, don't, I don't have, I don't have dementia either, but I remember the day in uh, 1990, when Nick Saban stood on the podium at the University of Toledo and said, "You know, this is my dream job. I'm yeah. I finally, I finally, I finally got to the top at the University of Toledo." And you know, nine months later, Bill Belichick hires him to yeah. uh, you know, to the Cleveland Browns. So uh, I'll I, I remind Nick of that uh, often that you know that I was in the audience the day you made your announcement at the University. I, of Toledo. I mean, it's isn't it obvious that. Uh, I mean, it's becoming more obvious by the day that we're heading towards a separation between the, the bigs and the, and the not so bigs. Um, and when that day happens and that de facto minor league becomes reality, uh, Nick Saban will be the czar of that, right? He'll be the commissioner of, of that business. And, and Deion Sanders will take over Alabama. You know, the Aflac guys will make sure that happens, right? Um, I mean, there's all these new moving parts involved here and boosters are going to play a bigger role than they ever have before. And I, I would not be the least bit surprised if Deion Sanders doesn't replace Nick Saban at Alabama, especially if he can but, bring Barstool with him and all that other stuff. I mean, who would be surprised by any of that? You know, Mark, you, you may, 
a point, I don't think you're intending to make it, but if this next CFP contract is 10 years and it, and it includes uh, access for the, the group of five, that may be enough to hold the current FBS structure together under, you know, and it's dependent on what happens with the NCA constitution. And if, if, you know, if if we assume that the the power five gains even greater autonomy, you know, to, to legislate that, that may be enough, that may be enough to, to hold college football under one umbrella, you know, as it is 10 conferences today. And, and, uh, you know, at some point in time during that, 10-year period does does Notre Dame make their you know their decision to you know to move to the ACC but you know Heather you've you've been doing it now for 15 plus years and and you know just what you've seen uh is this is this the is this the epitome I guess of certainty yes it has been uh but here's here's the thing it's never the end of the uncertainty right and it's interesting because um I remember asking Keith Gill a while back about it. And he said, if we're waiting for stability, we're going to be waiting mm. forever. And, and he's right because you, it's never the end of realignment. This is what college athletics is all about. Right. And, and never say never about Notre Dame joining a conference who knows how these discussions will play out. And I don't say that with any inside information. Every time I've talked to Jack, he said, we're happy, you know, the way we are, but that doesn't mean it won't ever happen. Um, and, and to your point, Mark, earlier about the Alliance, my understanding was that one of the reasons that happened, though it was never really said publicly, was sort of a wink and a nod. Hey, we're doing this because I'm not going to take your teams. You don't take my teams. And mm. let's just hold this steady for mm. now from our end. Right. Because rumors were flying. And, you know, we'll see how that eventually parlays into anything significant beyond scheduling partnerships in the future. Right. But I think that was the big thing with the alliance. But I mean, the ACC's TV contract is absurd. It goes through like 2035 or something. I don't, and so can, you know, what can they do in terms of hitting pause on CFP expansion? Because does that impact their ability to lure Notre Dame? I don't know, you know, but there's all those other storylines that to me says this isn't the end of it because it's never the end of it because that's what college athletics is, constant change. Based on what you've seen and, and who you've talked to, do you think Oklahoma and Texas are going to end up regretting this move to the SEC? I, d- I don't think they'll end up regretting it. I think it's easy to second guess that decision now because neither of them looked great. One lost their coach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just sort of like, hey, good luck, guys. Right. Um, not, not, not good timing. Not good timing. Right. Not good timing, no. But at the end of the day, SEC money is still SEC money. Cha-ching, cha-ching, you know. So um, it's going to be the first 16-team super conference, which goes back to once that happens – is anybody else when they see it in place in reality? Does does that kick them in the past? Did everybody else join the party? Carl would well, just, the whack, just remember oh, yeah. now the, Carl, the whack the whack yes. was a sixteen, 16 team. team yes right it just wasn't just didn't have the super, super okay that's fair it, so. that's fair but you did you did have the model you had the quadrant model and all that in place and they may they, you said before you didn't have the copyright on it but you certainly have the blueprint probably some tucked away somewhere in your in your desk drawer. So they may come well, call and say, how does that work? You know, it's, it's a pretty simple model that uh, if they want to use it, 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 you know, 
it will rotate teams and it will, but it, it'll never, it'll never eliminate one team in a conference getting that pass on, you know, not having to play the, you know, the, the best other team in the conference, the, the Alabama, Georgia that, that we were talking about earlier, that, you know, those are always going to happen. And, and anytime you go into the divisions, you know, it's who, who's in the weakest division versus who's in the, the, the more difficult division. And, but those are, you know, those are uh, results of, you know, conferences going from, you know, from eight to 10 to, to, to 12, which was when the SEC went to 12 in 1992, you know, totally unheard of. And, you know, we're, we're here now today with two 14 team leagues and a, and a 16 team league, you know, down the stretch. So, Yep. Uh, you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't rule out that, that the big 10 doesn't get to 16 and, and that there's another 16 team, you know, somewhat uh, uh, combination of schools that, you know, between the PAC 12 and the big 12 that maybe at, there's, I don't know. At this it's, point, uh, who would the, at this point, who would the big 10 take? I mean, everybody's spoken for, right? Everybody has a dance party. No, I mean, point. you know, there's, I tell you what, no, I mean, just like, you know, yeah. you're, 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 you're Nebraska. You know, uh, Cornhuskers uh, were quick to to answer the call. No. I'm sure that there are others that would would answer that phone call too, Mark. Well, so. Heather says the alliance is designed to prevent that. So who knows? <laughs> we'll see. It was. We'll see yeah, if it lasts. Yeah, we'll see I if think. it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> handshakes are handshakes, right? Hey, Heather, I hope you've got your parka packed for Indianapolis. Uh, high on Monday in the low 20s, and those those uh, sky skyway walking systems. You'll be uh, you'll be walking yes. back and Great. forth. Uh, JW to uh, grateful to, for those. The, to the uh, dome. So we really appreciate your your taking time today and um, been good conversation. And you know, I we said last week as we were looking back on on 2021 that journalists in general have been absolutely fed information on a day to day basis. You don't get up in a morning in the morning having to go out and look for look yeah. for uh, news to to yeah. cover. And, and to report on. So, uh, yep. you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully 2022, you know, has a lot of sports interest, but just not as, as yeah. many drama. A, a, li- we had. a little more on the field, a little less off the field would be nice. That's and good. I'm yeah. sure you feel the same way. If I could talk about football one day, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, you've done a fantastic job. You and your colleagues have all done a fantastic job through very difficult yeah. last couple of years. And we appreciate the information as always. And as Carl said, thank you for coming on with us. And, and uh, we hope to have you on another time. Thank you very, very much, Heather. Thank Heather you Dinch, guys so very much. ESPN, Thanks, one of the best in the business. since she joins us on Knutson and the Commission. Carl, mm-hmm. you got a, a thumbs up, thumbs down for us? I do. I do. I do. All right, we'll be back. We'll be back with Carl's thumbs up and thumbs down. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars, past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations: Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Mark, let's get the new year off to a good start by giving the NCAA a thumbs up. Yes, Ooh. the NCAA. Ooh, how about that? released yesterday that the term March Madness would be used to promote both the men's and women's Final Fours this year. 
As we've discussed, this is a result of the audit conducted by a third party to treat both the men's and women's final fours in an equitable fashion. A big step to right what has been wrong in the sport of college basketball. And my thumbs down goes to the College Football Bowl Association and ESPN for scheduling last night's Texas Bowl on January 4th, four days after the bowl games played on January 1 and during the week when the rest of college football world is focusing on the national championship game. At a time when bowl structure is being criticized by for having meaning, meaningless games, this just gives the critics more ammunition. Thumbs down on, on playing other games after January 1. I don't think LSU got the memo that they were supposed to show up last night. I think they yeah, were 39, 39 scholarship players. Yeah, I, I think, think some, of them, some were, of them missed the bus. They missed the bus. Hey, Carl, good work as always. Great having Heather Dinich on the program. She's one of the best. Really appreciate having her inside. And we'll watch the game on Monday night, and then we'll start talking about issues again. That constitutional, constitutional convention thing comes to a head in a couple of, in a little bit. So we'll have plenty, plenty to talk about next week, even after the season's over. Yes, we will. All right, Carl. There he is. There he goes. Carl Benson, the commissioner. It's Knutson and the commission. Thanks for joining us and be with us next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.